0: On today's podcast, we're talking about religion and spirituality. What are some of the benefits of religion and what are the downfalls? That and much more on today's podcast. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back to the Life Project podcast. We are your hosts. I am Scott.
1: And I am Charlene.
0: And today we're talking about religion and spirituality. Always a popular topic and something that we're fairly well acquainted with. And um, I guess I'll start myself with a a little about myself, if you wish to know. I grew up in the church. That's a term that we use. Didn't mean I actually lived in a church, but I grew up going to church. That's what the term means. And I think a lot of Christians, unfortunately, kind of use that term quite a bit.
1: It's funny. I never really thought about that before. Yeah. But literally, yeah, it does sound like you were in the church yes. where you were raised.
0: Yes, like I was, in I grew up in the church in the
1: basement.
0: I lived in a little room. In the convent. They, fed me, they fed me food occasionally if I was a good boy. But I grew up going to church. It was, a, of course, a Christian church. My parents, uh, my mom and my dad both grew up Christian. And so particularly Pentecostal, if those are not aware, it is a form of the Protestant Faith. So it's not part of the, of course, there's pretty much the way I would kind of look at it is you have Catholics and then you kind of have everybody else. <laughs> and so I read a sect of the Pentecostal after the day of Pentecost in the Bible. With that frame, I learned about God and about Jesus and about David and Abraham and Moses, all those guys. And so growing up, that was my normal. We learned about a lot of the basic tenets of faith, about what it meant to be a Christian. As that was like we we did prayers before every meal. We went to church on Sundays, though I didn't feel like we really read the Bible a whole lot as a family.
1: Did you have like Bible stories for kids?
0: I think I had like a child's Bible. mm And one of my favorite characters, I think, growing up was definitely Samson. You know, the big, strong guy.
1: With rippling muscles.
0: With rippling muscles.
1: And And, long, flowing hair.
0: (laughs) And he had his power from his hair. God gave him his power from his long, flowing locks. But when he lost, in Delilah, if you know the story, when he lost his hair, he lost his power. And so I always, always liked Samson. I thought he was pretty cool. Moses, everyone knows Moses and his staff and striking it down with old Charlton Heston and Ten Commandments when he parted the Red Sea. You know, that was always a kind of a cool thing. And so my brother and sister and I would go to church, whether we wanted to or not, we would go. And we were part of the Children's Church, I guess, to kind of synapse my life story about maybe 12 or so. We say, we call it being saved, being born again. And it was about 12 when I, I guess the Christianese Christianese way of saying it is I gave my life to Christ. And then I uh, did the usual thing of falling away for a little while. Like I would go to church, but I wasn't really a part of it. I came back about 15 or 16, something like that. And about 17, I rededicated my life. I started hanging out. I started helping out in youth group and I started playing drums. So that was kind of like a cool outlet. So I've been playing drums for a long time now. Picked up other instruments. I thought that was kind of a cool thing that came from that particular point in my life. And I still play instruments to this day. And over time, I got more involved with the church, became a minister in the church. So I would occasionally help with funerals, weddings. I'd sometimes preach messages on Sundays and then just other kinds of administrative works. But it wasn't really paid or anything. Fast forward a few years, ended up going to Bible college where I met my lovely wife, Charlene. We got married. We were in Bible college for, I was in Bible college for three years. Graduated and then we came back and uh, I started as a pastor for two different churches in about eight years. Is that about right? I feel that's about right.
1: Yeah, that'd be about right. I guess, yeah.
0: And then about two years ago, I um, moved on from the particular church I was pastoring and then right now, not really going to any particular church at the moment. So that's my story in a nutshell at this point. How about your story?
1: Me, Sh- the testimony of Charlene Anderson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up Catholic. So when I went to a Pentecostal church in high school and I told people I was Catholic, they were like, oh, well, I'm Christian. Oh, okay. So am I. That was a really weird, (laughs) (laughs) a really weird situation to, to be in. I just thought it was funny how you grouped Catholics and then like all the other Christian faiths kind of think because you definitely, as a Catholic, hear that people don't really, Yeah, it seems like it's them, all these other ones exactly. versus the Catholic church. That's <laughs> so how I kind of funny.
0: seen it too, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how it felt. And I didn't realize that growing up Catholic, but Catholics are Christians. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started going to Church of God in high school. Whereas when I would say that I dedicated my life to Christ and I was very, very, very much part of church, uh, church on Sunday, youth groups on Wednesday and Friday. And I loved being at church and learning as much I could about God, which made me choose a few different career paths. (laughs) I eventually went to Bible school and I only went for one year. Uh, I kind of, I guess I dropped the ball on the idea of being a pastor, but I still wanted to be very much part of church ministry. Right. We were in church ministry a couple years after we were married, I'd say. And, Uh, Right up until a year and a half ago, I left the faith about a year and a half ago, almost two years now. It'll be two years in Mm -hmm. September since we've been out of our last church that we were pastoring or just I was just the pastor's wife (laughs) (laughs) doing pastor wife roles like children's church. And hospitality and stuff like that.
0: Well, a lot of times I noticed that even in the church, for those that are listening that are have been in church, there's certain expectations that are placed on pastors. And even on pastors, I was like, pastors, you have to be very, I don't know, seemingly pious, right? Like you have to be very solemn, or very, very ultra spiritual, right? And you kind of don't really... You have to be kind. There's a certain level of courteousness, all that stuff. And then you have to be friendly. And, you know, the list kind of goes on. How about for a a pastor's wife?
1: The pastor's wife has to be well-mannered and (laughs) sing. I don't sing, but it's very typical for a pastor's wife to sing sing. And play the piano. piano. Yeah. Yep. And do children's church or at least do one of the three. And I didn't particularly care for any (laughs) of the three.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think as a, as a pastor, it's just, there's also certain things you can't do. So you can't like manual labor as a pastor is like a no, no. You're not supposed right. to be cleaning. It's like, oh, no, that's what other people are supposed to do. That's oh, what, yeah. Like your I deacons was, or whatever are supposed to do.
1: Yes. I was told I was not allowed to clean and I would have to sneak around and do the cleaning. <laughs> people <laughs> wouldn't see me because they would scold me. <laughs> no, let somebody else do that. Uh, no. <laughs> me.
0: And I found those dynamics were quite interesting. But overall, my personal experience with church was actually pretty good. I think for the most part, you know, I had to deal with some issues. You have to deal uh, as a pastor with sometimes difficult people. And I'm not going to like really share any stories, but more or less, you're just dealing with people on a on a personal level. You know, people are at periods of growth and change and they go through issues. And I feel like sometimes there's a lot of pressure on people when they are Christian or when they aspire to be or you know things of that nature that almost a pastor is to be like perfect. Yes. And I feel like that is indicative of a lot of non-Christians seeing Christians and they're like, oh you like, you like you do this or you do this. And you have this well not even non-Christians, like even just Christians are supposed to be are seeing Like there are pastors as like almost idolizing them in a way. In some churches, like almost like, I wouldn't say worshiping, but pretty close to it.
1: Well, yes, because the pastor is supposed to be like right hand of God.
0: Yeah. The representative of God.
1: Anybody's like Jesus. It better be the pastor. Yeah,
0: exactly. So no flaws. Everything has to be perfect and ordered all that stuff
1: which we totally checked that box totally just saying yeah
0: we got it just kidding
1: I wasn't kidding you weren't kidding yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so my experience was was fairly positive I didn't have a lot of personal say personal attacks or anything about uh, against me and I feel like a lot of the experiences that I had whether we're in Bible college or whether we're in churches and things of that nature. There were some incidences where people were could be rude or things like that, but I'd say ninety, ninety-five percent of the time it was not so bad. What about you?
1: That makes me think of a really great story. When we were pastoring at one church, as a pastor's wife, the standard, and maybe even as a woman, was to wear a dress. And I had never really grew up thinking that women have to wear dresses. That wasn't a standard in my family or in my Catholic church. right? And so, yeah, she like her expectation for pastor's wife to wear a dress. And she was very vocal to me about it. And she would look at me sideways and. Let me know, like, you should be wearing a dress. Why aren't you wearing a dress? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to wear a dress. It's <laughs> cold outside, for one. And I have a baby for another. I'm like, I'm chasing this kid around the church wearing a dress. You're crazy. <laughs> anyway, so that was... <laughs> she She was uh, she liked to make trouble for people. <laughs> she would speak her mind. She didn't seem to care that I was the pastor's wife which is fine, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once I stood up to her though, she realized she couldn't talk to me in the old way.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you got to stick up for yourself, eh? Oh yes. I think in our church experiences, we attribute a lot of things to things like connection. And one of the ideas or concepts or things that I find about this is the idea of religion. When we're talking about our backstories, the one thing that everyone will kind of naturally begin or a to think about is religion and religious experiences and everything of that nature. And there are indeed pros and cons to religion. But before we answer them, what would you define what religion is to you?
1: Religion is the, the structure of the church, the building, the rituals, the perhaps even fundamentals of the church.
0: I always saw religion as a set of rules or beliefs or guidelines, moral teachings of how we live our lives. That is all based up in the connection we have with others. So usually you don't, for the most part, have religion apart from others. It's usually something that you usually share with others. So it's like a shared belief system. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I see it. Because I, I had a class in religion in university and the teacher more or less said that religion is culture. And so I would say to an aspect, I would agree with that, but I think it's still fall short of the idea because religion, you you can have different cultures even within Christianity and there are. Right. So cultural expression, but it's still the same religion. And so different aspects of that. So culture is definitely a part of it. If you go to another country, they may express their Christian beliefs in a very particular way than you know another culture, like in North American culture is very different I find than what I know of, say African culture, where the two mentalities are very different in North right. America. it's like a uh, individualistic it's it's like oh, how do you interpret it to yourself whereas And there are certain benefits to that, I suppose, as your individual strengths and stuff. But then it can also be a little bit selfish in a way because you're just looking at yourself always. Whereas in countries like in Africa, in India, there's like all has a very collectivistic way of looking at things. And so they're not looking at things as, well, how does this affect me? It's like, how does it affect my family? How does it affect us as a people, as a country, as a nation? Like How how does that all work together? And so though the problem with it, of course, is that there's a lack of individualistic framework for your life. And so I guess the best way is really a blending of the two. And so you have culture, but you also have a shared collective nature with other people. And that's kind of why I see the benefit of religion in that way. So I would say, yeah, it's like a blend of belief, rules, regulations, and then a combined like faith in something. That's kind of how I would look at religion, I guess, in that way. But then also comes the idea of then spirituality. And so spirituality for me is then that inherent drive to do something, the essence of something within us. As the Bible says that we are spirit that we're spiritual beings and that we're connected. And for myself, I am on my one side, part German. My other side is Aboriginal or Indigenous Ojibwe. And so the Ojibwe teachings shared like an idea of that in which we're all interconnected. So the spiritual way of looking at things is animals, trees, you know, plants, humans, all of us are interconnected. We're connected with nature and nature with us. And so I just kind of thought that was like a beautiful expression of what spirituality is. And though it may not entail a lot of religious practices and rituals, though there was in the culture, but the underlying concept is that it's uh circular, not the circle of life kind of thing, like Lion King, you know, things like that. And so what are your thoughts on spirituality?
1: Spirituality has a bit of a question mark with me right now because, as I mentioned, I personally left the faith about a year and a half ago. Just shortly after uh, we left church, or were kind of asked to. That's complicated, <laughs> <laughs> but not in a bad way. It's just in a, a circle of life kind of way. Spirituality is, yeah, the thing that connects people. That almost that indescribable energy that we have towards each other and towards life and all things living.
0: I think when we are discussing religion, spirituality, maybe I'll just kind of address like what are the different types of belief? And so let's start with theism. Theism was like the belief in God. There is two main aspects of that, which is monotheism, which is a belief in one God or polytheism, which is a belief in many gods. And then you go down the line and we have deism. So deism just essentially means that you believe in God, but he doesn't really intervene in daily affairs. He's does. There's not really a connection, like a personal connection with God. He more or less like just created everything and it just left everything to, you know, fend for itself. Whereas theism, I guess would you would say there is some degree of personal connection, like God loves you and wants the best for you and all that kind of stuff. Right.
1: Yes, like Christianity, the point of it is to have a personal relationship with God, and that's what God wants. Right. So it's a theistic
0: belief. Exactly. Then moving down the line, we have agnostic. And so there's, when you, anytime you put the A on in front of something, it's the absence of. So it's like agnostic, atheist, which is what we'll get to in a second. But gnostic means it's a Greek word meaning to know something I learned from good old philosophy class to know something. So agnostic means that you don't know something. So there's agnostic. And then, of course, on the other side from theist is atheist, which means that you don't believe in God. So you can be also be an agnostic theist or agnostic theist, or you can be an agnostic atheist or Gnostic atheist. Hopefully that's not too complex or, or hard to understand, but...
1: It is the spectrum of belief.
0: It is a spectrum of belief. Good way to put it. And so I would probably consider myself, just so we're all clear on this here podcast, that I'm more of a theist. Whether I'm agnostic or Gnostic, whether I know, I, I think I think I like to believe that, Then I guess God exists. And so I guess that would put me in the Gnostic, not necessarily Gnostic, but... You know nope. uh, and the reason why I would say that is just more or less just from my own personal experiences, And I would say, I'm not necessarily gnostic just because I mean, can you really know something or are you just wanting to believe something?
1: And that's part of faith, too,
0: right. So faith yes, yeah, faith is like the absence of being able to see something. so I guess that's where faith, of course, comes into being right,
1: absolutely. And I'm on the agnostic. Atheist scale really makes parenting great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, the reason why I would say I I have a hard time even considering the idea of there not being a God, and you can share your thoughts on this, but I find that the concepts, the idea of there not being some being or God of some form that created everything with this matter and time and space. That just came from nothing. And then all of a sudden there was this crystallized form or dust or something. And it, even after, you know, where did that come from? I suppose there's just a lot of questions that just aren't answered that way. And I've like listened to a lot over the years of like different people debating on between God, he's the existence of God. And even in one of our classes, which was kind of like a fun assignment, we did a mock debate and we had to choose our side, whether we're for God or against God existing. And it was kind of fun. And so everyone was kind of put into either whoever is debating that for that particular time, whether you're debating for God or against, even if you were an atheist and they just draw the, you know, that you were going to be on the for God side, you would have to still debate from that position. So it was kind of an interesting thing because they're probably the two strongest debaters were me and a, a friend of mine in class. And though we were both Christian, he had to argue against it. So it was kind of fun because he knew my arguments. And so that was a lot of, a lot of fun that way. And my teacher was like, going into this debate, this we're going to find whether God exists or not.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we'll put an end to the whole debate. So for thousands of years, people have debated the idea of God. The existence of God, whether he exists or not, whether he has a relationship or can have a relationship with us, all that kind of stuff. Always an interesting thing. But I just find that the arguments against God a lot of times are left wanting. But again, the same thing someone might be able to say about the existence for God, right? So there's ideas, there's thoughts, there's arguments, just me personally, to find arguments against God. And that there exists, that there doesn't exist some supreme being that created everything. That's just my personal thoughts about yourself.
1: For me, it always comes down to the origins of life and its beginnings. So one person can say, God always existed. And then the other person says, well, life always existed or if there was a big bang or whatever. But to me, it always boils down to, well... If you can say as a theist, well, where did life come from if it came from nothing? But then as an atheist, you can say, well, where did God come from? God can't just come from nothing. So to me, it's the same argument. That's why I choose the agnostic atheist belief.
0: Mm -hmm. How do we fit together spirituality and religion? How do we separate the two? So spirituality is something that We do something that we're passionate about. I would say something we're connected with religion is like a set of belief. It's almost like a structure or framework to build one's life, but you can have a connection with something and then maybe not have that framework or you can have a framework for how one builds one's life, but then not really be connected with it. Like you're not passionate for it. So say like a person going to church. So a person might go to church because their parents told them to go to church but they have no connection. There's no spiritual connection they have with God or anything. And then the other side of it, you have the someone that is say spiritual, but doesn't have a connection with people or anything like that. And so it's kind of like, I would say almost like a roadmap. You're missing the roadmap for how one might live their life. And so religion though, apart from how we're normally taught about religion as being organized religion anyways, is that the idea, and this is what one person kind of said is I kind of thought that was interesting is that everything is essentially religion. So whether it's how, you know, one philosophizes their life, how they take a certain approach to schooling, to parenting, to all these kind of things. There's certain beliefs that you yourself, even if it's not necessarily organized by a particular group of people, it is a form of religion. So veganism, for for those that aren't aware, Oh, if it's vegan. So it's like, if you have that kind of connection to others, but there's a particular belief system, would you say that's kind of a form of religion?
1: That's interesting. And I really thought about it in that perspective before. I would say that it lacks, I suppose, the building structure of religion, but I do love the term veganism because it is almost like a religious lifestyle, right? some people can be very dogmatic about their veganism
0: oh that's interesting yeah
1: um very strict as far as like natural fibers go if it comes from an animal no so wool and uh, i'm trying to think of something else that maybe keeps the animal alive but you're just using their fur or something but yeah so like that's and even like the idea of you'll eat
0: certain types of animals only if they're from like a well, taking care of farm or something like that, you just wouldn't have it any other way. I've heard of certain vegans that might do that. I would
1: be more like a flexitarian, I suppose. Flexitarian? flexitarian I've never, yeah. never heard of flexitarian before. So that's like somebody who's maybe vegetarian or vegan, but then mm. they have their, they're flexible. So right. if it meets their certain criteria that they find fits into their moral or ethic belief. They can eat meat, maybe if it's raised on a farm, or maybe they are going to eat fish if it was caught by their friend or something, or what have you. So, I mean, there are um, flexitarians, and then there, yeah, then there's like, again, like a spectrum of everybody from flexitarian to very dogmatic vegans that don't even use wool or won't use. Let's say glue because it has like, it's made with horses or something, isn't it? I don't know. What is? Glue. Isn't there like something about horses and glue? (laughs) I don't (laughs) know know. (laughs) because I'm not that strict (laughs) with my, my (laughs) veganism,
0: Right. And so that's something I always kind of found was kind of interesting about that is the connection that we have with religion and its different forms, whether it's organized or not. And so we adhere to certain aspects of that faith. And then you have spirituality. And we were in a class talking about dimensions of health. And I can't remember all the dimensions. I remember there's environment, physical, emotional, mental. And one of them was spiritual, good old spirituality, and that it's a part of our experience. And so everything that we do, perhaps with that level of connectedness, and maybe that will be a good segue or segue. Is a segue? Segue. A good segue into the next question, which is, what are some of the pros and cons of religion?
1: I would say a pro to religion would be that sense of community, and I would then say from that, um, the danger is the dogma that comes out of it, and the religiosity mm-hmm. and the one-sidedness. That people get very focused on just their point of view and defending their point of view and only learning their point of view and not considering other maybe alternatives or just, you know, right. becomes very narrow focused.
0: One of the big pros, much like the idea of community. So I'm not gonna just piggyback and say community, but yes, that <laughs> sense of commes- that sense of connection I think is really yes. important. And I think it's part of our identity. I remember we watched a movie into the wild and it's about this guy. I think it came out oof, 10 years ago. It's about this young guy that finished high school. He was going to go to college. He decided he wasn't going to. So he ended up going in a van, he living in the woods by himself. And he found out that, Hey, you know, being connected with nature is all great and everything, but he needed people. He needed people around him. And I also think of jails at the number one Punishment that when you're in a jail is good old solitary confinement. It's the removal of yourself from other people, and I think that's one of the of the big draws for people because there is a social element to religion and or especially organized religion that there's a common belief or faith, and I think another big strong component of that is the idea of order. The idea here is that by having some semblance of order, it refutes the idea of chaos. It's kind of like the yin and yang kind of thing, where a little bit of chaos allows for some degree of change, but usually religion is built on some degree of structure and rules and things of that nature, things that we live by. And I always find that personally as something that always attracted me to the church is that it kind of keeps my life structured. I like the structured lifestyle. Some people don't like that, right? So some people are like, well, I just want to live my life however I want to live it. But I find a lot of our world is based on the idea of systems. There's some systems, of course, that need to be changed or whatever, of course, but they're still relevant. And so that's even like debate that we're having today with a lot of things that are going on in the States and stuff like that. But the idea of order, you kind of work your way to structure yourself a certain way. And much like when we go into university, you can't just choose, Hey, I'm not going to take a test or I would well, I mean you can, but your mark would be lower if you just decide, you know, to not go to class and to not do your tests. So there's certain things you have to do in order to, to get the perceived outcome. Does it always happen? Well, no, but I always kind of thought that was one.
1: That was a big draw for me also. It was just the, not just the sense of community, but the, yeah, that sense of structure and stability. The commonality um, is almost like you didn't have to do any guesswork. There was no guesswork and it. it was these are the rules. This is how we're doing it. Get on board. <laughs> Woo-hoo. And exactly. so they're like, oh yeah, okay, this works. This is supposed to be uh, pure, holy, divine and infallible. So I got right on that train and I rode it to 2019. (laughs) In closing, I would like to say that this discussion was not meant to sway or be a debate in any way, but rather just to be a conversation. It's not to decide or to tear down any sort of faith or any sort of lack of faith or belief or where anybody is at, but just to give a, a personal account of our faith journey and,
0: and where what, we're at,
1: where we're at in life, yeah, because things have changed and, and that happens.
0: And I think that's the thing is that we're always in a constant flux. We're always in a constant state of change where perhaps our thoughts or ideas on things that maybe we were highly opposed to or highly for. And then there's just those things can sometimes change over time. And life is about discussion. Life is about that level of change. And when you get married, when you have kids, when you go to school, when you get a new job, when you move to a new city. There's so many things that happen in the state of our lives and things that happen that we weren't prepared for, right? (laughs) And so in that same way, whenever we're... When you talk about these things, and I think it's important that sometimes I feel the art of discussion is lost. Just dialoguing, talking about things that people that have different faiths, beliefs, that people don't seem to be able to connect. And instead, they just see the other person as... A villain as a as a threat to what they stand for. Yeah. And instead of having a dialogue, you just sway them away. You, you shut them down. And I feel that's something that kind of happens today, unfortunately, in a lot of different ways. And I think that it's important to dialogue. So we understand another person's perspective and then they hear our perspective. And I find that whenever we have those levels of discussion, for example, I have a friend who's Jewish and we shared our opinions on certain things. And I've had a friend who's Muslim. I've had friends that are atheists and then people of different types of Christian backgrounds. So as I said earlier, I'm more Protestant, but I've met a lot of people that are Catholic. i met some people that are agnostic. You know, and so when you have levels of discussion, it kind of helps for you to either solidify what you believe in, or maybe sometimes refine it. And sometimes there are things that you believe that should change. And I think that's part of maturity. We go and try to understand one another. And another aspect that for me, that always drew me to the church is the idea of forgiveness. The idea of compassion the idea of love and i feel that sometimes gets lost in the mix because you don't have or share a certain belief that i have you're not in the same page as me so i refuse to love you or be compassionate to you and then That, of course, undergirds the message I find of Christianity, especially, but in other faiths as well. And the idea of like loving and forgiving and stuff like that are aspects that unfortunately we don't always share or communicate to another person to show that love. The Good Samaritan, I guess, parable, right? We had a person that was an outsider caring for another person that was not like them. And I think that's a good message for today that we should be more compassionate. We should be more loving. We should be more caring for other people. And regardless of another person's background, particular political ideology, religious background, religious ideology, and just love others. And I think that's when I think about especially Christianity myself, because that's what I was growing up in. Those are the things that I find and I adhere to and hold on to. But that was our discussion on religion and spirituality. We may return to this another time, but I feel like that was a good discussion we had today. I hope you guys would like to be a part of the discussion. Let us know what you guys think about uh, religion, spirituality. Do you adhere to a particular belief as I do, or my wife, or something completely different? And that's part part of life is learning and growing, and hopefully through dialogue, through expression, discussion, we can hopefully become better versions of ourselves.
1: Thanks for joining our discussion today. Hope it's been thought provoking and enlightening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Educational.
1: Spiritual.
0: We'll see you guys on the next one. I am Scott.
1: I'm Charlene.
0: And have yourselves an awesome day. Bye bye. Bye
1: bye.